0: What's up, fight fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Thursday, August twenty second, two thousand nineteen. My name is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV, and I'm joined by my always amazing co-host Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. What's
1: up? Happy Thursday, man. How you doing?
0: I am good. I have recovered from a a crazy UFC 241 in Anaheim. I got home and, you know, it's just one of those things. It's weird because after all that and there's finally zero UFC, you kind of are like, oh, you know, it's like I get a bit of a break. It's kind of cool. What about you? What have you been up to?
1: Not much, man. You know, just uh, baking, baking this little bun in the oven. And it kind of takes up a lot of my time, my energy. But I am going to a Dodger game tonight, so I'm pretty excited about that.
0: Ooh! by the way, I don't think we've announced that on the show. There is a, you know, technically it is a three-person show. Miss Natalie <laughs> Zamudio is going to have a little MMA fan soon. Yeah.
1: He's probably going to be the most educated MMA fan uh, newborn because he's been, yeah, he's been on this podcast since, uh, since April. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's true. It's like, yeah, he's been listening to MMA every week in the tummy. That is cool. Yeah. Well, um, you know, uh, you've told me this. Um, I kind of left it up to you when you want to talk about it on the air. But, of course, congratulations. I am excited. Um, You're amazing. So when something really amazing like that is happening to your friends, you're just happy for them. So I am excited. And obviously, you know, I stay up to date that you are doing well with everything every week. But yeah, we had a lot of fun stuff. I feel like your incoming child is going to be a big fan of some of these people that we're about to talk about. (laughs) Um, So let's get right into it, UFC 241. I feel like the card on paper, you know, people were excited. I was a little on the fence about Nate Diaz because this is the real test, like do people still care? Are they interested in seeing him fight somebody that's not Conor McGregor, et cetera? Et cetera? I really feel like on that part, in terms of marketing-wise, it delivered. I feel like everybody was talking about it. I feel like it proved his star power. And then the main card, top to bottom, whether it was, you know, the big three, whether it's just the performances, you know, to get the the ball rolling, I feel like it was just a solid night of MMA. If you paid the ticket for pay-per-view, you got your money's worth out of it. That's uh, how I feel about it. But what about your opinion on just the card in general?
1: Yeah, for me, it was all about the last three fights. And I think we talked about this before. Like, with boxing, you know, they've conditioned us to – so really, just feel like the 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 eighty dollars or sixty dollars, whatever it is now, you're just paying for the main fight. Sometimes the co-main's good, but really you're paying for the two guys at the top of the ticket. That's not what we're used to in UFC, but um, it's like the it's the line of reasoning that I use when a card uh, a main card on UFC isn't like super killer from you know one to five. Um, and in this case, for me, it was just the top three. But they they totally. Uh, were worth the price of admission and I can only imagine what it was like to be there and maybe you can tell us uh, the top three fighters uh, or the top three fights who got the most fan reaction I guess it's an BS but maybe not
0: you know what um, I feel like people did go bananas for uh, Yo Romero, Paulo Costa uh, so our media room um, it was like right off to the side of the arena. Like you turn and then you walk 10 feet and you're out on the, you know, on the main floor. And I was like, good Lord. It is, you know, you just kind of want to stroll out there and just take it all in, you know, even if you're not in the seat. But, yeah, that, that really um, – I think people are like – look, they're two massive athletes. We're going to talk about it in a second. So the fact that they threw down the way they did, I think people were like, whoa. And then um, Nate – had the best reception. I feel like because I feel like people were like, "Yeah, he's back." And then um, the finish to DC is steep. I mean, nobody saw that coming. Nobody. So uh, it was just a good, decent pop all around. I feel like it was great energy. It was consistent energy. People came out to have fun and enjoy the action, and they got their, they got what they wanted out of it. That's the best way to describe it. Is the energy never let up? It rolled through very strongly. Um, But let's get into that main event. Stipe Miocic defeats Daniel Cormier. Everyone is describing it. Things were going well for DC until they weren't. Um, The best way to describe it, I feel like in a fight, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yes, he was doing well in the first round, but he was winning round two. He was winning round three. He had a lot of moments where he'd um, he'd roll with the punches. He'd do the shoulder roll, the neck roll, and he'd avoid a lot of damage from Stipe, and he'd land these big shots, snaps his head back, that I was like, you know, if anything, DC is just going to keep doing this for another ten minutes, um, take that decision, if not finally land the shot that really hurt Stipe. Um, I don't know what it was. I don't know if the body shot or fatigue just really started to hurt uh, Daniel Cormier. But at the end of the day, um, Stipe starts uh, going to the body shot like he's Muhammad Ali or something, just making it so sharp to hit it with such conviction. And that eventually set up the head shots that got the job done in the fourth round. And that's all she wrote. But what was your assessment of the fight?
1: Yeah, it was actually surprising the way it ended uh, because yeah, you 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 analyzed it pretty spot on. What I what I kept thinking, and uh, Bob Cook was reiterating in the corner was you know DC keep your hands up. Like why was he dropping his hands? I regret saying that now because uh, you know if he had kept his hands down where they where they kept falling, he might have been able to absorb some of those body shots. He was beating Cipe. You know he was landing all kinds of face face punches. Um, I think you mentioned two things, fatigue and the body shot. So fatigue for sure, I suspect because DC probably figured his punches would, would hurt Stipe more like in the in the first fight, you know? One punch he was out and then he finished him. I was surprised too that Stipe took as many shots as he did and kept moving forward. So he was probably, DC was probably getting tired physically and mentally from that because you're thinking, geez, how much more do I have to give before this guy starts softening up? And the body shots, he ate a bunch of them, and he wasn't adjusting, and I couldn't understand why. I thought, geez, you know, those look like they hurt, and, you know, only he can tell us why he never bothered to to, to block those shots, to, to use some footwork to get out of the way, to go for a takedown. It seems like he just really felt like he was right there. Like, if he just hit him a few more times in the face, he would finish him. He got... Um, Caught up in the momentum of, of having success with his fists, and then that's all she wrote. We saw what happened. You know, Stepe basically danced the jig on his grave. So it, it was it was very very surprising to me. Not so much that Stepe found a way to win, but that DC never adjusted because it was obvious. Like it it was like I think you said you're a Tekken man. I'm a yep. street fighter gal, also soul caliber. But it's like when you fight somebody in the game that just knows one move. And they just keep doing it over and over again, and then they beat you. And it's like, well, who's who's at fault? The person who only knows one move and sucks, or the person who never adjusted to the other to the to the, the repeated attack? So um, that's what it looked like. It was just like a video game move that Fipe kept trying over and over again. DC didn't do anything, and then it was over.
0: Yeah. I mean, really spot on. If you're not a nerd, I feel sorry for you because that is a grade-A <laughs> top-shelf reference right there. But, um, yeah, you really just... Um, I, I think that surprised me. He never adjusted. He never made Stipe pay for it, which is surprising because when you watch the fight, you feel like eventually he'd be able to read that body shot the way that Stipe was going for it after... What was the number, 14 times? Um, yeah. that That surprised me the most was that, dude, you... Like I thought it was something that DC would be able to make the adjustment and avoid personally, but once again, whether that's the damage, whether that was fatigue, whether that was X amount of factors, um, that's just it. And if you're Stipe, I mean epic comeback, We talked about how much he needed to win. If after all this, he were to lose twice to Daniel Cormier, I feel like it would really have an impact on his career in terms of the hype and marketability because it would come off as like, look, you got what you wanted, and you still couldn't do something about it. So all of that, you know, reads well. Um, The elephant in the room, you know, after you watch that, one of the first things that hits me is, The John Jones trilogy has officially left the station without us. You know, that fight is no longer going to happen. And um, I think to me, the biggest thing that I kind of registered with that is that after the Cyborg Nunes thing has become a dead issue, kind of we've lost the last super fight to really look forward to. In terms of um, the UFC and everything else going on, yes, there's some good fights. Uh, Whitaker, Sanya and people feel like the winner of um, Habib Poirier against the Tony Ferguson is going to be huge, and I agree. But in terms of established stars that we're ready to get hyped up about, that one is officially, you know, I feel like it's become a dead issue, unfortunately, for the fans. So let's talk about what comes next. First for Stipe because I think that's easier to really read into. He's in that weird spot. He's already beaten Ngannou, who's the top contender. People are talking about maybe a Cormier trilogy if DC wants to keep fighting, which we'll get into in a second. But for your money, what do you think we'll see next for Stipe? And better question, when will we see him back?
1: Yeah, when is... is is? Uh is the key question there. He got, he had a lot of punches to the face, but he's so tough. He's probably fine. He'll probably be ready to go. And I think he'll be raring to go because it's been such a long time since he actually fought. So I'm thinking, what are we in August? I bet he's ready to go again by the end of the year. I don't know if there's any room left on, in December. Um, I think there is. Cause it's just Nunez. I think so far yeah. the only title fight. Yeah. So that's right there. I think, we'll, I think we'll see him in December. And then as far as who's next for him, I bet, you know, uh, only time will tell, but I bet he's going he's gonna to hold the ball in his court with a big grin on his face and try to give DC a tough time because he was given a tough time on his end when he lost. You know, they're one and one, so the trilogy makes sense on paper, unlike John Jones, which you correctly identified as basically being dead. Um, so if I'm Stipe, I mean you have an opportunity here to either to either show that an improved Francis is still not good enough, which is which is a great opportunity for Stipe, or to put a nail in DC's coffin, um, or to you know and you can put a nail in DC's coffin in two ways, right? You can either deny him the title shot, which essentially puts DC into retirement. That's it, because there's no reason to fight for him to fight John Jones. Or you fight him again and then you beat him. I don't know which one's worse, probably beating him again. Um, But but Stipe holds all the power, so I hope that he takes time with his team to figure out the best way, the best option for him. Uh, But I do feel like we'll see him in December.
0: Yeah, I think that um, it really comes down to a bit of Daniel Cormier. Does he feel like... Uh, I mean, we've talked about it, and I'll be honest. Had he finished that fight even by decision, I would have been so hyped for Jon Jones, number three. I would have felt like, you know what, maybe this is it. Maybe this is that Cinderella story after everything. Um, we're gonna go, I'm going to go back to some issues that are going to sound like I'm hating, but I'm going to just say it bluntly because I think it's a very key part of it. He has talked about his age. He has talked about his injuries. I'm not going to I'm gonna mention it for the last time. He's talking about sneezing and throwing his back out and needing to, I don't know, go under the knife, but have procedures done medically by a doctor to help himself out. That's not the sign of a guy who's looking to push it ex- an extra year and a half or so, if possible, to probably avenge a uh, Stipe loss and then maybe still try to make the John Jones fight happen. So I think that the fight for um, D.C., it comes down to how healthy do you honestly feel after this and how much do you really want it? I think had he come off a win, it would be very easy for him to say, you know what, win or lose, let me go out, at least trying it one more time with John Jones. In this context, does he really feel like he needs to get that win back from Stipe or is he about to say, you know what, I just I don't need to do this again? In my mind, hearing him, I feel like he wants to avenge the fact that he disappointed his coaches with the game plan. Once again, it comes down to how healthy he is, because I think that he's got the kind of support system around him that if he's got some injuries from all this, he might just be like, "Look, I just um, I need to listen to my people and my body that says that you know to do this again one more time for the sake of this." isn't necessary isn't worth it so i think that that's the thing to me um in the event that nothing else happens i feel like the ufc is just gonna double down on hyping up francis and for a steep rematch and they're just going to be like you know yes he beat him but look what he did to curtis blades and cain velasquez and junior dos santos all under two minutes um and they're just going to try to build up that fight on a card and maybe they'll tease John Jones moving up or something else like that. So let me toss it to you on the Daniel Cormier front. What do you think will happen there in terms of what's next for him, whether it's does he come back or does he not, plain and simple?
1: I think he comes back. I, he's already done so much, like the, the double champ, light heavyweight, heavyweight, it was such a spectacular story, the Olympian. And he never beat John Jones, but they were great fights, great build-ups, and I think he's already come to terms with, with having lost him twice and possibly never fighting him again. So I want to say, even though he lost, he should just sail off into the sunset. But I feel we know enough about him because he's so honest uh, and open with his interviews that it's got to burn him so much to have lost to Cipe and to have lost in this way not by decision not by quick knockout but to be to be beating to be besting him and then to just kind of freeze mentally and then get finished so i think we see him again i think he's going to i think his attention will have turned almost exclusively to Cipe i think he wants the redemption and it's tough because you mentioned the the you know the the really strange injuries caused by sneezing and the other bigger ones from just you know decades of fighting and wrestling. But that guy I just don't think he's going to be able to go away. And you hear Dana White talking and for whatever it's worth in general for DC I feel like he he's speaking the truth when he mm-hmm. says I think there's going to be another fight with uh probably with Cepe. So my answer is yeah, he's he's going to do one more. But, but really, it comes down to Stipe. Like I said, Stipe has all the power. So if Stipe doesn't want to give him the, the immediate rematch, then it's like, how long is DC willing to wait? Then it becomes another issue.
0: Which I, I'll be honest, that gets very difficult because it's like, look, man, I mean, I, I say, you know, we've said it a bit early in the year. We just want to see the big names fight already, you know, and... Um, I think with Stipe, he, he insists that he was always going to fight again. He was just being patient. Um, respectfully, I feel like it is a very big risk at this stage if he were to say he wants to take a lot more time off again. And um, But once again, like you said, he has all the power. If that's what he chooses to do, well, you know, if he says he's waiting for somebody else to break through the ranks, Volkov or somebody, then that's just where we're at. But... um yeah, I think for my money, you know what, I hate to say it, but I almost feel like no. I feel like this is supposed to be it for D.C., and I feel like unless um, he really feels healthy, he's not going to do it. I, and that's acknowledging the competitor, but everything we've kind of come to know about him is that he doesn't want to let his ego get in the way of, you know, a smart decision for his career. And I do think that that's just essentially what's going to happen and um if he says I was healthy um after I healed up from the knockout aspect, I'm going to be fine, then I'll feel differently, but if he has anything nagging, I feel like he'll just call it a day personally. I think he's just he's he's kind of twice gone by his retirement date, you know, You know, expires yeah. by, I don't want to, even, well, maybe it's a bad choice of words, but, you know, he's kind of given himself that date twice, and I feel like he's aware of the precarious spot of it, personally. But yeah, look, we'll find out, obviously, Stipe rules the day, he goes back to the firehouse with the new UFC belt, so we now get to see what goes on in the heavyweight division, um, real quick, in terms of the light heavyweight division, because obviously they set it up for John Jones. You know, They didn't book him. They haven't talked about anybody. And it was because we were waiting to see if D.C. could get the job done, and they set it up. Um, Dominic Reyes is booked uh, against uh, Chris Weidman, Johnny Walker, Corey Anderson. I feel like this opens the door for Jan Blahovic to fight for the title in December, personally, at light heavyweight. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think I say line it up. You know, we've been talking about John Jones for a while. He's hungry. He wants to be fed. I'm not saying Jan is, is dinner by any means at all, but Jones <laughs> wants to keep uh, keep defending his belt. Uh, he wants to keep defending, right? So I say just keep that conveyor belt running and, uh, Based on how they've matched up the other the other contenders, Jan is up. So and he had a good showing with Luke Rockhold, big name. I mean, let's do it.
0: I gotta say, Pregnant Natalie has some A plus references right now. If I may say so myself, <laughs> that was a great A pun. I love it. I'm gonna use that. But um, no, I, I agree. I feel like the door is kind of wide open for Jan the only thing I could imagine not happening is if John Jones decides he's fought three times in what is it seven months he wants a bit of a break so he does um he waits for whoever looks more appealing whether it be Johnny Walker or Dominic Reyes or a uh, X x-factor in that um in those matchups obviously Corey Anderson and um Uh, Chris Weidman are no jokes. But that could be a factor. But if he's holding to December, Jan Blachowicz is right there, and I think they make that fight happen. I agree. Moving on to the co-main event, this one, uh, I'll be honest, I was shocked. I think a lot of people were like, I did not think he was going to look that good. I did not think he was going to take the kind of shots he did and be that tough after three years away. Nate Diaz comes back and he just lays it on Anthony Pettis. He did what Nate Diaz does and um, my assessment of that fight essentially was that Anthony got lured into the trap a bit. I think that Nate did a good job of smothering him and forcing that kind of fight, but Anthony just, uh, and I know he broke his foot, maybe that played a factor, but he just did not get to the spots where he could fight in the open, use his physicality. He ended up fighting a Nate Diaz fight and lost, and I think that that's a credit to the toughness and just the execution of the strategy by Nate Diaz.
1: Yeah, man, I was stunned, too, with you know the way Nate outperformed Pettis. Even, the, even without the broken foot, ankle, whatever it was, you know, Diaz had Titus's number, you're right. He was smothering him. He was totally you know executing his game plan. The fight was going his way only. It was really impressive. i hope I hope Diaz and Mazadal does actually get booked soon because that would be incredible. Um, but uh, it was just a great performance by Nate Diaz. I mean it's hard to believe it was three years that you know, a three year layoff. He came back. his fans were just right there with him. If not, maybe he even had more. He's profiled in the New York Times. I mean, like, I really hope that that Nate is able to capitalize on on the attention he got in this, you know, the weeks leading up to the fight, culminating with this great win. He's a special dude, and uh, and anyone that fights him, I think, you know, he's saying it's like no one called him out after he fought Connor, even though it was a close decision. People thought he won. People thought Connor won. And uh, he's right. Nobody called him out, really. And, uh, I hope that more people start I hope people start doing that and especially um that we get this Mazadal VS fight.
0: Yeah, um straight up just really I, I feel like that's the fight to happen. People have been talking about, well, what shouldn't it be Connor? And I'm like no. Yeah. It should be. Yeah, that 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 would be nice if it was that simple. For sure. I mean, we've been waiting. People been waiting for it. I said about early last year that my you know, desire to the, the time had passed in terms of making that one happen. I felt like the ship had sailed without um Connor in terms of a trilogy and without Nate to be honest. But um, very bluntly, just uh, I feel like the Jorge Masvidal fight makes sense in all the ways, and then some stylistically, they're going to go at it. Um, I do think they are very gangster, as they like to say. Um, I feel like the fight makes sense in terms of the timing. Colby Covington, we talked about the all the angles, why he should be next for Kamaru Usman. But that sets up a big fight for Nate or Jorge in a co-main event slot. I would love to see them um, on that card, just in case something happens. Uh, But I do think that that's exactly what we're going to see. I think that we're going to get that fight. And going back to Nate Diaz's return, I mean, just, uh, look, I had a lot to say. I felt like it was going to be, I just didn't know how much to believe in Nate I felt like he wasn't doing 155 for the simple fact that he didn't feel like he had to cut weight anymore, but he looked good, very bluntly. He looked great, and I think that the, the fact that he says it, the fact that he says, I want Jorge Masvidal, I want to fight, I want to X, Y, Z, that to me is just amazing news because I feel like that's exactly what you want these guys to say after this whole, oh, will he, won't he, will he be active, will he not be active No, we actually have a straight-up answer, and I love that about this uh, entire thing. So I'm with you. I hope the fight happens. I hope if it happens, it's the co-main event to Jorge and Colby. Uh, Sorry, uh, um, to Kamaru and Colby. So uh, I'm with it. There's nothing more I feel like I need to add. Um, In the other marquee fight of the night, Yo Romero, Paulo Costa, Natalie, tell me about your thoughts on it because I am sure that you have a lot to say. (laughs) You know what?
1: I have some things to say. My first thing is a question. Um, The whole fight, I kept wondering why Yoel Yoel Romero kept his tongue hanging out. Um, And I was like, I couldn't tell if he was playing possum or if he was actually tired. And it was a bit of a strange performance by him. I mean, they were going back and forth, but to me, Costa won the fight. It was a great showing for him. And I was looking at the rankings. He just got shot up like five spots to the number two position. So, I mean, this is a great, great day for him. And uh, they were both eating shots. It, it looked like Costa was bleeding, you know, in the cage. He did not look like it. he was. But after they uh, wiped him clean, like there weren't any cuts, there weren't any any bruise, there wasn't any bruising or anything. He just goes forward, man. And there's nothing you can do about it. It must be terrifying to be on the other end of that, to see that giant man just coming at you for three rounds. So, what was it like being there?
0: That must have been pretty cool. I mean, you've got to see these guys look close. I mean, you, uh, I'll say it bluntly. You're talking about two giant slabs of beef that just beat the crap out of each other. I feel <laughs> like that was the most surreal way to explain it. Uh, also, I'll be honest. Like, Yeah, Romero isn't very tall. He's very stocky. he got a ton of muscles. To watch him just look physically smaller in front of Costa was a very weird experience. It kind of reminds me, like, you know, like, God damn, he is a big dude at 185. And that's saying something when you know how big Romero is. Um, It was a ton of fun. When they started throwing down, knocking each other down, everyone in the media room was excited. You could hear the arena getting lit up with energy. It was just a ton of fun, man. Um, Everyone was like, they could really, either one could go down. Costa was throwing, Romero was throwing, it could go either way. Um, in terms of the scoring, I, I think Costa slowed down. Romero had a bit of a second win and was finding his spots, was landing well. He was re- making reads uh, late in the fight. That being said, it was always 2-1 to one Costa on my card. The first round, they exchanged knockdowns, but at the end of the day, Costa just outlanded him. It was competitive, but I didn't feel like it was this razor close oh it could have gone to Romero at all so I was a little shocked at the booing and the reaction because I felt like that was straight up Costa what did you think yeah
1: yeah same here um yeah Romero had had success at the end there but I felt like Costa pulled out one and two and I was really surprised as well by the booing um you'd think at the very least the fans would just be excited to have seen a great fight but I guess in the in the uh, in the arena it looked like um, Romero did more than, than Costa. So I mean, we get the benefit of the TV angles, and so I guess that makes that does make a big difference. But they got the screens up there too. I don't know. I was surprised. Very surprised.
0: Yeah, but um, look, this, this sets it up. This is another no-brainer. I feel like the Jorge Nate Diaz um. Costa's next for the Adesanya-Whitaker winner. Um, I don't want to see anything else. I don't think he has to worry about anyone else. Jack Hermanson, Jared Caninier, that's nice. That's good. Top contender, definitely a great backup, but that does not put you anywhere near Paulo Costa, if you ask me. I feel like this fight does it. He's exciting. He's marketable. I feel like a lot of people like him. Um, He had a lot of hype around him at Media Day. I feel like he is the guy, plain and simple, and I think that stylistically, Whitaker or Adesanya is a fun fight. Um, I don't want to see anything else, period, and I feel like he set it up that he doesn't have to. Um, He said he doesn't want to be a backup at, you know, come October. I get that. The only thing I hope is that either Whitaker or Adesanya doesn't take too long of a layoff because... I do want to see this fight relatively soon if they're healthy, either, you know, that April or May target for late next, you know, for early 2020, you know what I mean? So that is my hope, that is my wish, and I hope we get it.
1: You know, I was looking at at, uh, at Calvin Gastelum. Is he is he clear or is he booked or anything, or can he fight? Because I thought that would be an interesting matchup, and then the winner of that could get the, the uh, title shot. But... Uh... Okay.
0: Gastelum, not booked. You mean uh, Costa versus Gastelum? Yeah, yeah. Man, I mean, I feel like that would be a step back from your Romero. I hear what you're saying. I pick up what you're putting down. I just don't know if I'm putting it on my plate.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely on the rankings, it's a, it's a step back because he shot up past all these guys. It's, it's Adesanya, Costa, Romero, Gastelum. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I feel like Gastelum's still, still,
0: I mean, he was
1: uh, just right there. You know, you know what I feel like? Uh, we
0: gotta wait and see who Gastelum wants. I feel like the Jacare rematch is gonna happen there. Um, the, you know what? Who would have been perfect, honestly, if they got him Jack Hermanson instead of Jared Cannonier? You know, I feel like that fight would have been the one to put him back. But I feel like. The only way the Gastelum-Costa fight happens is if we are waiting for both Whitaker and Adesanya. They're both beat up or hurt or what have you after um, October. That's the only way that happens. I feel like timing is just not working towards that matchup, if you get what I mean.
1: Yeah, I hear you, man.
0: All right. Uh, Also, it'll be – I'll be honest. I don't see Costa fighting um, before the end of the year. So I feel like if you're Gastelum, are you really going to wait till 2020 to come back, or are you going to try to make a late 2019 return? That also affects his timeline, if you get what I mean.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if Costa, what, August? Yeah, I mean, if he's really not going to come back till the beginning of next year, then, yeah, that's definitely too long for
0: Gastelum to wait. I agree. Yeah, but um, I, I'm not saying it's a bad fight. I just feel like they're both going in two different directions right at this moment, for sure. But, yeah, look, I mean, anything can happen. I mean, you had Stipe Miocic getting beat for about 15 minutes before he once again turns into Andy Ruiz, Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury with the body shots. Um, Look, I mean, anything can happen. But fun night, just a great night of MMA, and caps off a really just amazing run. We talked about it like 9, 11 straight weeks of UFC cards ridiculous so we get a bit of a break in terms of major mma action but they are already setting it up for the end of the year the big announcement amanda nunez jermaine durandami this december the 14th in las vegas at usc 245 for the bantamweight title um what's there to say about amanda nunez beat holly holm Chris Cyborg, Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate, Valentina Shevchenko twice. Um, Ridiculous run. GDR is coming off the victory over Aspen Ladd. Natalie, my big question, what do you think about GDR getting the title shot after being, quote, on probation after the 145 fiasco? Well,
1: I think that in his bashing of Chris Cyborg in that interview specifically that he did with Laura Senko, Dana White, like, essentially absolved Jermaine of her pass-ins at 145. And so she looked great against Ladd, despite, you know, the ref controversy. So it makes sense. Like, I think all of that is just under the, you know, water under the bridge for Dana White. She seems like a nice person. I bet they get along just fine now. And he was able to use her um, her argument for not fighting Cyborg as a defense for uh, as a reason for 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 bashing Cyborg, so it all worked out. Everything's squared, everything's clean now between them, I think. And who who else uh, would be next for Nunez? You got to keep her, you got to keep her active. She's she's um she's like right there on the brink of of really, I think, busting through two belt champion Brazilian. Uh, you know, there's a lot there that they can market, and so there's no reason to keep her on the sidelines. And Jermaine. You know, it's a great style matchup, so makes sense to me.
0: Yeah, I, um, all that stuff aside uh, with GDR, I, I like the way you say, say it, absolved. Also, um, it's a sign of the times. I mean, I know Jermaine is the, you know, she's in law enforcement in um, it's, I forget, the Netherlands. It's like, what is it when you're Dutch? Um, yeah, but uh, let, let's be honest, Amanda Nunes is the sheriff in town, and this is, this is the world she's created. She's so dominant that even if they had no plans of um, ever giving GDR a title shot, this is the world we live in. It's either her or she moves up to 145 to fight you know, somebody either coming off a loss or a newcomer in um, uh, Dos Santos fighting Megan Anderson. And you know what happens with 145? I feel like the writing is once again on the wall there, but I'm gonna save that for another day. But yeah, I think that the fight stylistically is a lot of fun. Um, GDR can hang with Amanda Nunes on the feet, but it's Amanda Nunes. There's she's gonna be a heavy favorite for a lot of reasons. The grappling is an X factor there too. Um, but that is a fun fight. GDR and Amanda Nunes stand and bang for. 25 minutes is a great fight, so I think that's going to be a good one. Um, I don't know if they'll be main event. I think that comes down to do we get a John Jones, do we get a Steep DC, something like that, but I, I think they're going to be a great addition to the card. I think they're going to set up whatever, whether it's the finish or the appetizer to the main course, it's going to be good.
1: Yeah, man, I'm excited for the fight, too, because, the, yeah, as you say, they're they're – Long rangey, great, you know, really smart strikers, and then you wisely point out the X factor there for for Nunez, which is the grappling. But uh, it's if they keep it on the feet, it's going to be a lot of back and forth. They both have great chins, um, but you're talking about if there's going to be a, a you know a bigger main event headline over them, and you mentioned Stipe DC or Jones, but what if what if it's Jones Stipe?
0: Who Ooh, you okay, oh,
1: oh. okay. You know it be what? Just like a total, just middle finger to DC. If Jones suddenly says, "You know what? I do want to fight heavyweight, and I want to fight Stipe? You <laughs> can't. You just see him doing that.
0: Yes, I can. That's why I don't want it to happen yet. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's like, man, this is getting out of hand, guys. I can't. I can't anymore. Please stop. Just, just fight who you gotta fight. Um. No, you're not wrong. They could announce it tomorrow and people won't be 100% surprised, but I hope they don't. I feel like the DC storyline made the difference. If you're John, fight Jan, fight Johnny Walker, fight Dominic Reyes, and then move on, plain and simple. You know, then, you know, next year, you know, the most dominant against the baddest man alive in Stipe, just do that, you know. Uh, I'm good with that. But, yeah, that's, that, that's an option. And, look, December's shaping up. I think they're going to have a very stacked card. They're going to treat it like end of the year, even though it's a few weeks early, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, This Saturday, not as big as, you know, everything we're talking about, but Matt Mitrion versus uh, Sergei Kertanov, too. Um, if you guys remember this one, this was the fight. I remember recapping it last year on the podcast, and we were just like, How, if you were a paying customer, how unlucky, how cheated do you feel? They get started 15 seconds in, Matt Mitrione lands a shot low that Karatanov does not recover from. They call it a no contest in the cage. I think, um, I can't remember, I feel like Scott Coker may have come out and apologized, I don't know if it was that one or another fight, but I was just like, dude, your main event, and that happens, so, uh, a couple months in the making, um, but they uh, they recap it, you know, the, this one comes back, what are your thoughts on, um, uh, I guess the fight, Kertanov Big names, but I feel like he's just the unknown being fed to Matt Mitrione to a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I think that's the feeling, uh, even for me. I mean, you know, with my general awareness of him, it still feels like he's just the B-side to Matt Mitrione. But uh, I think, I'm excited for this, Uh, looking forward to it, I guess, because the first one was, you know, as a woman, I guess I could say it was kind of funny, (laughs) the way it ended (laughs) As a man of course probably its
0: <laughs> Y'all don't know. <laughs> no, keep
1: going. Um, but I I still think the fight's going to end quickly. Uh just just not be as comedic this time. So I bet these guys are probably really tired of thinking about each other. They probably just want to knock the heck out of each other and go home and move on with their lives. So that's kind of what I'm expecting. And for that, uh, you know, I'm excited because then we're going to see some probably some knockout or something some nice exciting finish. Um, otherwise, not much to add But but <laughs> it can't be any worse than the first time I'll say that
0: That's a great way to put it Yeah, I feel like um, Sergey's a tough, durable guy I feel like Matt Mitrion has gone back to the gym And has worked on some stuff um, uh, That's really the only thing I could say Is that, that that's what I see happening But um, yeah, uh, it, it, it's got to be better than the first one that's an easy way to put it, and I think that that's going to – it sets up the heavyweight division for sure because there's not too much going outside of Czech Congo. You have uh, Vitaly Minnikov fighting in the, you know, on the card. There's a lot of other stuff. Former title challenger Alejandro Lara always provides a good show. So very interesting night in Bellator. they got Nick Newell coming, um, making his debut. So I'm interested. I think it'll be a lot of fun to talk about. Oh
1: yeah, Nick Newell. Okay, I forgot about yeah. that. His one, uh, his one fight deal with or Hopefully, for his sake, he uh, he has a good performance, so they can keep him around a little bit.
0: Yeah. Oh, I think it's going to set up good. Um, I think that. Um, I think he's been working hard, plain and simple. And I think that they're setting him up with a good matchup. Well, Natalie, right about now, this is where I'd say, okay, this Saturday we have blah 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 blah. But we don't really have too much after Bellator, so I thought we would close out the show talking about some fun stuff. Um, what do you think that old man said to Conor McGregor in <laughs> Dublin?
1: Man, you know what? Have you do you know Bjork? Who Bjork is? The singer. I
0: do not know. Okay.
1: Well, there's this funny YouTube video of, she's like, I actually don't remember where she's from. Maybe she's like Icelandic. She's a singer who was very popular in the 90s. And there's this funny video of her arriving at the airport in, I think, Singapore. She's walking out of the airport, and there's reporters reporter standing right next to her, and she says, hi, Bjork. Welcome to Singapore. And Bjork just attacks her and starts hitting her. And it's like, whoa, what the heck happened? That is how random this one felt. Like, the guy was probably just refusing a, <laughs> probably refusing his, his whiskey and then Connor just touched him. Um I don't know, man. Maybe he said, Welcome to Ireland. I have no idea what he told him because it just looks so ridiculous. But you gotta look up that video as a side note. But man, I still love Connor McGregor and people can roll their eyes, you know, I still love him, but it's it's just really frustrating to see him behaving this way in public like especially to an older person it doesn't matter what they say like you're a professional fighter man just keep it together but what do you think he
0: said Your whiskey is whack (laughs) probably that's all i could say you know what i don't know i feel like he might have been connor i mean was already inebriated I feel like, you know, the guy gave him attitude, was like, nah, you know, he might have easily just been like, you know, you know, what are you drinking, you know, gentlemen, don't you want this whiskey, and the guy was like, nah, I heard his whack, and Connor just, you know, was not all there, which I feel like we've said a few times, sadly, but, um, yeah, that's the only thing I could think, I don't know, what what can you say, this is just sad and you know it's once again like connor fighting um you know everybody but the guys you actually want to see him fight right that's that's what i kept coming back to um i did hear uh, what is the funny one i read people were kind of using this and was like how is dana white gonna spin it and someone like they kind of, like, read, they, they had, like, a tweet that said, what is Dana White's statement going to be? And he was like, look, that old man is a former so-and-so champion of the world, and he ate Conor's left hand like it was nothing. We're going to give Conor the title <laughs> shot. And then they're like, what about Tony Ferguson? Who's Tony Ferguson? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that, why does that sound like a Dana White template? And I was like, look, you know, the way they spin this stuff is, like, Look, we we get it. We all know in about three weeks, Poirier could beat uh, Habib and sets up a Conor McGregor title shot. That is a very real possibility. It's money. They have the storyline. Tony Ferguson is big, but he's not Conor McGregor big. I get it. I still don't want it to happen. You know what I mean? So I think that that's essentially what I got out of it is like, how are they going to sell this one? Plain and simple. Yeah,
1: you, you can't use this footage. In the promo video, the way you use the uh, dolly into the bus. Uh, so, yeah, man. I mean, he's clearly itching to fight, but attacking those people—not cool, man. Not cool at all. And uh, you know, I—I I, really—I was charmed, like everybody else, by him, his his story, his his rising through the ranks, and his great achievements, and. I really believe that he was going to be able to handle the fame and the money differently. And it wasn't going to be like, you know, Rocky 3. Mm-hmm. But it looks like it's going that way. And, um, man, just, I wish he would just just fight. Just start fighting, doesn't matter who, just to get back in there and get his mojo going. Because the longer he sits on the sidelines, you know, idle hands. So, anyway,
0: I'll leave it at no, that. No, you're not wrong. Look, uh, I'll be honest. I was one of those guys. I I was over it with Conor for a while. I felt like, um, I, I guess the Jose Aldo one, I was like, Jose Aldo got this guy. And um, look, uh, respectfully, Conor McGregor is fantastic television when there's a fight. And that is the one thing we have hardly had, and that is what has made this so frustrating is that you know, uh, I'll be honest. You want to hear a story since we've got nothing but time, right? <laughs> I, have, I used to have a coworker, and he was stereotypically the Conor fan, exactly the kind that you, you know, I think is teased on social media. He was up in here telling me that Conor McGregor has the best takedown defense in mixed martial arts. Mm. He was that guy. Um, and he would uh, roll, you know. He was just down for the cause and all that, and everything. And um, Conor McGregor was this. Conor McGregor was, you know, Irish Jesus. The way Jorge is Street Jesus and all that. He was just so big on this guy, and it was uh, you know th- that fan. Which I get it, you know. Conor, you know, he entertains and he fights at that level, right? I saw him maybe, what was it? It was like when we were hitting close to like eight months after the Floyd Mayweather fight, the Habib fight isn't announced yet. And I, you know, I was talking to him. He was at a restaurant and he was like, it came up and he was like, nah, I'm over Conor McGregor. And I was like, are you kidding me? And then he's like, he doesn't fight. And I was like, this is the world we live in. The so Conor McGregor stands have lost patience waiting for him to come back. And I think that's a sign of the times. It's like, Conor, I know you're a businessman. You do deserve to make money for the millions you're going to bring in. But, man, just sign a fight already, please. This is getting ridiculous. I'm kind of over it. And I think a lot of people are starting to feel that way, plain and simple.
1: Yeah, I think you're right on.
0: Uh, moving on, uh, Ronda Rousey gets to keep her finger, but the real question is, uh, how do you see her doing and Frances and Ghanu in Fast and the Furious? So, okay, I'm a
1: big Ronda fan. I know people roll their eyes. I'm like a big fan of the people that everyone has is totally over now. But her acting has improved a lot over the years. She, from when she did Fast and the Furious number seven or whatever number it was, that was not great. I'll admit that. But she's come a long way, and especially in WWE, um, she was great. I really thought she had great performances. She went all in with the, the wrestling and was doing some cool stuff by the end. So I think she will still uh, be the better actor. And, of course, yeah, the finger thing, I mean, she apparently um, stayed in character <laughs> until she finished her lines and then looked down and saw that her finger was nearly nearly severed. So I'll give her props for that. Uh Francis Ngannou, though is also really like naturally charming, so I bet he's he's pretty uh he i bet he that he comes across pretty well on screen. I wonder how many lines they are gonna give him if he's gonna be a good guy or a bad guy if he's a bad guy, he probably won't say too much um so you know he could catch up to her pretty fast he's he's just a natural charismatic person
0: I feel like you know it's gonna be interesting to see you know how he plays it as a villain. I think that'll be very interesting. Um, I feel like Rhonda, you know, I've seen her in a few things. She did all right. I think it'll be good. I think that it'll be, um, I I just think that she's going to handle it plain and simple. So I think that that's going to be very interesting to see happen. But, yeah, I, I I don't see him being very heroic, if I'm being honest, but that's just what it is. The next one, Junior dos Santos on Brazil's Dancing with the Stars. How do you think he's got moves? I feel like he that's like his secret talent, but what about you?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think you can sort of tell by looking at someone and by the way, he boxes. Got that sweet footwork, that hip movement. I think he can uh, he can lay down a samba and probably some of that other ballroom stuff. So, um I I, I bet he does. He's like, you know, as far as heavyweights go, he's not huge and lumbering like some of the other ones are, so I imagine him having some fancy footwork for sure, and I really like seeing these fighters getting paid, um, and the reality circuit, you know, get your money where you can.
0: That That is funny. You know what, I, I feel like he'll do well, I feel like this is, I feel like it's a good break for him. That's the only way to describe it, but I think he's going to do well also, I'm i 'm with you, I agree, anyway, besides that, not really much going on um, we 've talked about this fight a bunch. They announced Rory mcDonald Douglas Lima, the rematch in October. I think that that 's a great break for both of them um, going into uh, you know going into the final. I know that Rory needed a bit of a break. I think he 's got it. I think it just looks good, so i 'm excited. I am just straight up ready for this, and I think it 's going to be a good um it's gonna be a good fight. But yeah, do you have anything to add before you roll on before we roll on for the show and uh call it a day?
1: No man, I mean I'm excited with you and uh is this the final is this the, the, the grand finale to the Grand Prix?
0: Yes. Yep, that's yeah. the last one.
1: All right. I mean hopefully uh hopefully both guys show up ready to, to put on a good fight, but I can't see you know, Rory looked a lot better against Neiman and uh, you know, Lima looked great against um oh boy, I can't remember the M V P Yeah, I mean that was crazy. So this uh this is probably the the matchup, the finals that Bellator always wanted or you know M V P probably they would have wanted him too. But this uh this is a good outcome for a pretty exciting Grand Prix.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that it's um Uh, Look, we all wanted something new. We wanted the MVP fight, I think, in the final, but this is just a great fight. I think it's going to be a really good show. It's going to be really good television. And, um, yeah, I think if you're Bellator, I mean, I think we're all waiting for big stuff for Bellator. Uh, I mean, I'll say it. I want to see if there's going to be, you know, a Chris Cyborg signing. What are they going to do with uh, Alima in Hawaii? Um, All that stuff. So I think it's going to be good, but All of that, obviously, is for next week and beyond. Natalie Zamudio, congratulations again. I can't wait till we have our third co-host here with us on the show. Where can fans find you on social media to keep talking about these fights?
1: Yeah, man, thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully he will have uh, more exciting things to say than me. That would be great. He can take over for me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I doubt it. I think um, he's probably going to... I don't know. Sit there and,
0: uh,
1: I mean, I expect that he'll probably have to hang out with me while I do it, so while we do the podcast.
0: <laughs> oh, that'll <laughs> we'll see how be fun. That
1: goes.
0: Well, a yeah. third person to the booth.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> as long as he's sleeping. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at nataliesandludio underscore and at StraightPunch.com.
0: Awesome, guys. You can find me all the time at double G on TV. Just spell out the word double, and we'll be back next week.